Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th (laughs) Step Podcast. My name is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. Welcome back, everybody. So we have some fun things that we're going to talk about in this episode. Uh, I just shared a podcast that I came across. It was just a quick little thing, but the guy raised some really, really great points that uh, made these guys listen to, and we liked it. So we're going to discuss those and and maybe even look a little deeper into some of what this guy does. His name is Jocko Wilnick, W-I-L-L-I-N-K. He's a retired Navy SEAL, and he wrote the book Extreme Ownership. Yeah. I love the principles that he brings up. It's a, just a brief little podcast, but I thought that they were so incredibly relevant to the, the topic of recovery, which is what we talk about. This idea, he raised a, he raised an idea of uh, uh, motivation versus discipline. Right. He what, said, a, what a great comment. He, he, said, he said that uh, discipline equals freedom. That's not a contradiction. It was an equation. Mm-hmm. Right. I really, really liked that. Yes. And, and so... What were your thoughts on? on well, this? the piece that got me was uh, this idea that that, that uh, motivation is just an emotion, right? That it's fickle. That it's fickle, and that uh, uh, that literally uh, it won't have the it won't have the stay power to see through uh, the difficult stuff. It's not motivation to get you out of bed in the morning to go exercise. It's <laughs> yeah. not motivation to get you uh, to do some of the things that you do. It's really it's discipline. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, so much of the stuff that I kind of grew up with this idea of motivation, and and I've found in my own life that. You know, as I go to the gym, then I lose motivation pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that that stays with it. Um, I just don't. I don't find the stay power of motivation, but I do find the stay power of discipline. There are things I'm very disciplined at. Oh yeah. Well, give us an example. What is something that you're really that, okay? Something that you are really good at. <laughs> it's a very short list. <laughs> he just asked for one item. Yeah. <laughs> But one of the things I found in my own recovery is is that I have a morning routine that I'm very disciplined in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've discovered that that routine keeps me in a safe place. And uh, we've talked so much in the past and heard countless times from our own counselor who've mentioned over and over and over again that, that uh, you know, how bad do you really want it kind of stuff. It's this idea of, uh, you know, recovery at all costs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so establishing a morning routine for me was part of that idea that if if I don't do something different then I'm I'm going to stay in this this state of this state of addiction and I I have to do something more and that's that's the thing I'm disciplined at those are some of the things that I'm very disciplined at and has that paid off uh, dividends in spades yeah, yeah. it's been substantial I, I, yeah I loved I loved how he said how he said that um like you said just you know motivation doesn't get you up in the morning discipline that's right. does that's right you know and then he kept saying that discipline will. Yeah, discipline will do this. Discipline will do that. I think there's lots of people who wander into a counselor and say, "I've got this problem. I'm struggling with this particular issue," and they'll say something like, "I'll do anything. I'll do absolutely anything to make this go away," and then realize somewhere down the road that it it's going to take a life change. It's going to take a variety of different things. There's no pills that you mm-hmm. can take for this yeah. kind of behavior, this kind of addictive behavior. And that it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And that, yeah, you can manage it. You can navigate it. But it's going to take discipline in your life. Those aren't the kinds of things that you hope for. Yeah, I mean, as I was listening to that, you know, I I saw discipline is, you know, those that are really committed to 
the you know to the 12 steps and and their recovery and their sobriety you know the people that are motivated to do it are more like the tourists Yes. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. They want to do this. They really want, and, and they're they're still half in, half that, out. I don't think they want to do this. I think what they want is they want change in their life. Yeah, yeah which is yeah. where they're, they're motivated for change, but it's not enough to make it a disciplined regiment that, hey, I'm going to change everything to mm-hmm. make this, this work. And, you know, I know I've been there. And, you know, I had that moment, which you were a part of, and that's where it kind of changed from, hey, I'm motivated to do this to, wow, I need to, you know, make boundaries and make do dis, you know put a lot of discipline into my yeah. life to move forward to make this actually last yeah. um and i and i i'm sure we see that with a lot of people where you know those that are disciplined they're doing great they're doing well but those that are just like motivated to do it are just not really there what was your experience like when you found out for the first time that this was sort of a three to five year path and then it would be that, that it was even going to be on beyond that I mean that that was a that was a shock to me. I think that was the, if there was sticker shock in my life. I'm sure I had it on my face when someone said to me, "This is a three to five year kind of a stint," and that you know, and then of course our counselor has reminded me over and over again that it's for me it's longer. It's going to be. <laughs> he always says that. <laughs> well, for me, um, when I came across that part and that was explained to me, I was already in a really high motivation kind of a sure kind of a place, and so I was I was all in. Yeah. I was all in, but I, I find it very interesting watching others go through the program, how a lot of times when they're first busted and they get sent in or, or they're first there, they're mm-hmm. really highly motivated. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Motivation can be a really good tool, you know, but it does come and it does go. So you have to, you have to get a routine, you have to set it, and then you have mm-hmm. to stick to it. Right? Yeah. I'm always interested when you're referring to those people that first walk in the door that I'm interested what it is that motivates them. Uh, oftentimes it's, look, my wife just busted me, and there's a question as to whether we're going to stay together. Suddenly mm-hmm. I'm very highly motivated because yeah, sure. I'm a loser. Um, but, oh, I didn't mean to, <laughs> that's okay. didn't mean to talk over you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and I think that's, a, that's an interesting thing, and, and I think that motivation will get them so far. But at some point in time that has to translate into motivation and discipline in their own life that's more than just What's the, what happens if I lose my wife? And I can't tell you how many we've seen where divorce ended up in their future and they've lost the motivation per yeah. se. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting thought. They've lost the motivation. I want to, you just made me have kind of a new thought. So, oh, I, I like that. I want to think about that for just a minute. Um, okay. So when you're motivated... Okay, you have, you you want to do you want to have a lot of energy, but that will eventually that will eventually subside. Subside. Sure. Yeah, like a battery, it's going to drain. Right now, what happens? What happens when you know things start to get good? You're mm-hmm. six months into it, and your 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 significant other starts to relax just a little bit, and the threat of that looming end of the relationships at least appears to be has subsided. Have subsided, yeah. right? Okay, then their motivation begins to dwindle. I don't have to push quite so hard. I don't have to, you know what? And there's going to be a lot of things as things get good. Mm -hmm. You're not, the motivation can fade, right? You know, when you start to see a little bit of those results, but the discipline that will keep you going keeps in place the things that got you there and will keep you going down the path, right? Something, 
uh, you know, we were talking about what really, mo- or what, what are you really good at being disciplined at? So I told you guys about, uh, you know, the car accident. Now every morning I get up and I take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. I take a deep breath and I'm grateful for that. You know, then I, I drink some water and I'm grateful for that. Now that might be cheating a little bit because one way or the other, I'm taking a deep or I'm taking a breath when I get up. Yeah. <laughs> but the discipline piece of that is I take a moment and I stop and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Okay. And just that small example of disciplined gratitude in my case has made all the difference, right? All the difference because I find, I find that, um, in the morning, you know, there's always a little bit of stiffness, a lot of, you right. know, but I don't, I don't wake up complaining about that. I wake mm. up being grateful that I, you know, yeah. for mm. what I have. And, and, and my whole attitude toward that situation, I think is vastly different than if I were to get up every day and resent that. Right. I think you're right. You know, yeah. and it's the discipline that, that has brought that in. Yeah. I mean, life. for me, discipline has been, you know, when I go to get on the internet, I have a, I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. Once I'm done, I'm, you know, I'm done. I, I get off the internet. You know, I mean, there's so many times we've heard guys in, in the program that are just like, man, I was just surfing. And, you know, I was looking at YouTube videos. And then I went to Instagram, started seeing some pictures of girls, skimpy. And then yeah, I, just, yeah, I just ended up in porn. And it's like, well, where was the discipline there? You know, what mm-hmm. What did you go to YouTube for? Because I, I use YouTube too. I did it today where I'm trying to figure out an O2 sensor on my vehicle. Mm-hmm. I looked at that, watched it. All right, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. But there are so many guys that they do that and then they start getting curious and looking because there's no discipline there and that really does help i was uh, just thinking as you as you were all were talking how at least in this space it appears very often as though the motivation itself is an outside external influence yeah and discipline is more of an internal sort of thing and, yeah you, know, you see uh, so many people that make their way into to to start finding help because an external source, a spouse, mm-hmm. a family member, something like that, saying you need help, and it's sort of this in, it's, it's, it's this external thing saying, hey, you need to get some help or else kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. That's where the motivation comes. I'm really motivated because it doesn't look like I'm going to be married tomorrow if mm-hmm. I don't if I don't fix this. You know, and then somehow, some way, um, as time moves forward, those that are real serious about recovery, it becomes an internal source of saying, I have to be disciplined about this, and it's for me. It's not from outside source any longer. I mean, go ahead. I was going to say it's no different than like our car. You know, you turn it on, it uses the battery to start the engine. Right. But without that that alternator, that discipline, the, the alternator's yeah. motor or discipline. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, that battery's going to drain, and the car is going to come to a stop. Right. You know, that that alternator needs to be there to continue to recharge that battery to so continue that path. I wonder how often we misidentify discipline you know you talk about the person oh that guy goes to the gym all the time he's right. he's always yeah. there he's so motivated well maybe he's disciplined right yeah i bet you a lot of times he's not motivated that's right yeah. but he still right. does it man i hate going to the gym but hey if i missed leg day today i'm gonna pay for it two days later mm-hmm. so yeah it's probably a discipline point i'm sure it is interesting so the interesting next point topic. that he brings up is to stay humble Okay, and the story that he he shared to illustrate with was that he had just gone through all of this really, really high intense SEAL training, mm-hmm. all this elite training, and his first mission, his first assignment was to go and to clean the bathrooms. Right, right. Okay, 
and he went and he did it. And he took pride, or, or it was important to him that he did this to the best of his ability, you know. And he took that attitude into that situation, and and that attitude got noticed and and worked mm-hmm. out really really well for him. So, the idea of the idea of staying humble that um, you are required at times to clean the bathrooms in your life, and that is something worth doing well. Doing well, mm-hmm. sure, you know, and to do to the best of your ability, because you know. So, with with that kind of a thought. How, do, how does that apply to recovery? What are some of these little bathroom cleaning things that you <laughs> I mean, have to do? Step one. I mean, step one's a huge one. Yep. I mean, you have to really humble yourself to put it all out there, um, you know, to, to a group and to your spouse and even, uh, you know, your sponsor as well as your therapist. You just got to put all the garbage out on display. Say, okay, this is me. Right. This is what I've done. And it, it's, you know, it's scary because... You don't know how they're going to react. Most often it's positive, but it's still a scary thing, and you have to be humble to do that because if you go in there like, hey, I'm awesome, I've got this, it doesn't work out well. People are going to see the fakeness, and they're going to see through you. Um, so that you definitely need to do that, as well as being humble when you make mistakes. We, we're going to make yeah, mistakes. We're like going to stumble. You know, And I've seen several guys in this program where they've just gotten angry. Like, you know, because... Uh, my Sage 2 group may, did something unique where if you relapse, you had to do a relapse chain and sh- show it in front of the entire group. There was a couple guys that just really didn't like that, and they voiced that. And it's just like, this is what we agreed on. It's, you know, it's no big deal. We're not going to hate you. But, you know, and th- those guys that were humble and did it, man, they really excelled. But those that didn't really fought back, and I think a couple of them even dropped out possibly at that hmm. point. Kind of thing as I was listening as uh, as spot speaking, and the thought that came to my mind was is that the, the opposite of humility is pride. Yeah, and there's no question about it that uh, that pride and recovery are not synonymous words. They just simply aren't. In fact, the minute one person thinks that they've got it, I've got this nailed down. Those are those are fertile fertile ground for relapse opportunities. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, humility has to be a part of the recovery process. It just simply has to be. It's this. It's the notion that. You know, my best efforts got me here. <laughs> How often have we heard that, right? And I think that's absolute truth. It's that is is that my very best thinking, my very best efforts, my very best self landed me right here in a, in the need for recovery. And I think that uh, humility is a very big piece of all that, recognizing yeah. that the decisions I made certainly weren't working, and so I need some help. I think, I think that humility is a necessary component in recovery because of very many very often you are asked or required to do things that you do not understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And might seem really, really simple, like beneath your effort or your attention. Right. Okay. So if it, if you feel like it's beneath your effort or attention and you don't understand why you're doing it, you're going to completely miss the boat when what you need <laughs> is just to, to buckle down and Follow do it. Instructions. I've got a story about that. I'm going to have to share this. And I, I know that our common counselor will be listening to this. He'll love this. He was given a, we were given an opportunity to draw a, uh, an, a, a uh, oh the iceberg the iceberg. <laughs> and I, uh, I remember this one. I was there. I outthunk him. I'm I'm way smarter than my counselor ever was. I just uh, so I outthunk him, and I went to I uh, went to the computer and found some clip art. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he wasn't really impressed. <laughs> no, because the instruction said draw, draw an iceberg. 
And the, the reason why we were supposed to be drawing, then of course I scanned right over that, like, well, I can, I can move through this pretty quickly. I, I, I'm going to get the assignment done. The purpose of drawing, obviously, is, is it puts us in our opposite brain. Mm -hmm. uh, it puts us in a creative mindset that, uh, that helps the recovery process along. And I, of course, had, uh, <laughs> had outthought him by going to the computer and getting clip art. And, and then, of course, labeled it and was happy to turn that assignment in, like, like look, I got it done. I'm, you know. And he was quick to point out. He was quick to point out that that you you know that you didn't follow instructions and you missed the boat, and I think that's uh, there was a, there was a lesson there. There was definitely a lesson there of, of of being humble and understanding full well and following instructions, which you know addicts aren't very well uh, aren't very well equipped to be able to do, and all those sorts of things that came out of that as a result of me <laughs> uh, me doing the clip art kind of a thing. And so I think there's that's exactly what you're talking about. Those are the kinds of things that we need to pay attention to. The details, the details of it all. Well, and that also led up to kind of my come to Jesus moment that we've talked about because, you know, we had, had drawn the, what, the shame pits in that night, drew, drawn these big, beautiful, amazing things, and I put them all out on the table. You know, I will admit at that point I was kind of prideful, and Shane called me out on it, and then that just kind of spiraled down <laughs> from there. But I needed that moment uh, to get humble and to really be called out. You know, and then feel like I'm done. I'm it, uh, I'm out of here. But then Shane came out and hugged me and said, "Hey, we're still here next week." And man, I, that broke me. You know, and that, from that point on, I look came at recovery in a much more humble place. Yeah. And it, that's when things really started helping and clicking. I was I was recently shown an excellent example of humility. Um, so we had this big event at work. Okay, big. It's called the Diamond Party, and, and so uh, listeners know that I'm a jeweler. I, I sell jewelry and things like that, and so two or three times a year we have these big parties where these designers will come in and they bring in, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of all of this kind of stuff. Sure. And then we spend weeks prepping for this and inviting everybody in the world to come in, and we were having a, a really successful party. Now, when this party happens, it's like my boss's boss comes in okay the regional sure. person sure. over the entire region comes in to be a part of this and to help out you know and kind of make sure that things are going smoothly and i remember that we were all busy it was really really busy in fact the only one who wasn't actively helping somebody was our district manager and i was showing these different pieces i remember looking at the glass on the counter and, and thinking they're covered in fingerprints. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and I made a mental note. I'm going to clean this as soon as I can get a minute. And almost on cue, I saw her walking around cleaning the glass. Okay. Now that really, really impressed me because in this context, I've seen people that were beneath her. Okay. Uh, refuse to do that and say, I have people to do that. Right. Okay. But she saw that it needed to be done. She was able to do it and she did it. And I was so, so grateful that she did that. Now, later that day, we had a meeting and she started talking about some very, very important things. You know, we need to do this, this, and this. And I found myself putting much more stock and value in what she was telling me then because of the way I saw her act when it was something small. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. Now I'm going to relate that to recovery. When, when you display a willingness to do the small things and that they're important and you do them to the best of your ability, right? That right. it's, it's actually not beneath you. Then the people who are around you and watching you will take note of that. And then when the time comes for you to ask them to trust you or these bigger things, it's going to carry a lot more weight because you're invested in the, in, in the little, little pieces of that. Does that make sense? That makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah. That's a great story. Great story. You know, the other thing too, unique about your space is your, your, your line of work is, is that, you know, clean display cases are, uh, it's important to be able to see the, you know the jewelry to see the to see the stuff and shine and all of that sort of stuff's a big piece of it fingerprints all over everything diminishes that ability so yeah it's kind of interesting how uh, to see somebody actually help out who's who's at that level to say you know this is this is relevant this is important what we're doing so, okay i'll i'll tell you a little something something and maybe this is getting off a little off maybe this is getting a little off track or maybe it's not but a, a diamond is like a hall of mirrors okay and it's cut very precisely so that when the light enters it and mm -hmm. refracts. Right. Okay. You ever put a, a straw in a glass of water and mm -hmm. you see how it's bent? Yeah. The light will go into the diamond and bend. And then it will hit those reflective surfaces and it will come out the top. Okay. Now, if it's done correctly, the vast majority of the light that enters into the diamond will bounce around and come out. And that's what makes them sparkle so beautifully. Wow. Now, you're never, ever, ever supposed to show a diamond that you haven't cleaned first. So proper procedure is that you take a little special cloth and you clean, clean the stone it. and you show it because the diamond has a chemical affinity for grease. Okay. So things like lotion or fingerprints, it will attract it. And the, the, the affinity, the attraction is so strong that in the mines, they will actually use wax paper or grease paper to run the gravel over it and the diamonds will stick to the paper and that's how they separate it. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Now the thing is, is it doesn't take much of that grease before Light's not refracting. The light will refract through the grease and then through the stone, and it breaks the math, and it looks dingy. Okay? So in that case, what seems like something so small and insignificant as cleaning the glass or cleaning the stone before you show it makes all the difference in the world. Interesting. But if cleaning the stone or wiping it off is beneath you, you know... You'll never sell the, the stone. You'll never see that. Yeah. You'll never see that. And so... So to bring it back around to our humility piece, you don't know what things in your recovery are cleaning the stone right. or cleaning the glass. What you, you don't know, especially in the beginning. So it might not make any sense to you and you might not understand it, but I would invite all of you to take that as a, oh, I really need to pay attention and do this correctly. Yeah. I need yeah. to draw the iceberg. I need to draw it. Yep. I'm it's just thinking the exact thought. Well, I mean, you definitely don't want to take shortcuts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a, another example, you know, like the, the bolts that they used on the Titanic were of a lower grade uh, quality of steel, mm -hmm. um, which when they, you know, they got cold, they became brittle. Where if they'd used the higher grade still, it wouldn't have been an issue. But we all know what happened with that. You know, if they would have struck the iceberg on head on, it wouldn't have been an issue. But they veered off to the side, it scraped along those, and just snapped the, those those bolts because um, it was a shortcut. Had they not made that shortcut, that tragedy wouldn't have happened. It's kind of the same way. Sometimes we have to put all of our effort in, 
and with you know be humble and do everything um like like the guy said and generally the outcome is positive mm-hmm. you know if we get if we give a a, a half effort we're going to get that we're going to get a half effort in return yeah. Interesting. in fact in fact the, the author says specifically that um there are no shortcuts you do not take the easy road right yeah you know, in fact, the the easy road ends up being the more hard painful. One. Yeah, the oh, yeah. more painful, longer. the longer, the harder. The you know, <laughs> yeah. the easy road is what got you where you're at. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's I mean, where we're at. it definitely looks easy, but then you probably hit a pothole. Then you blew a tire, and now you got to replace the tire. But the car doesn't work, and you got to walk five blocks to the n- nearest tire store. Yeah. And they only have one set, and so they're charging you know three times the amount. Yeah, I mean, it's there's probably no, spirals no on. Route. There's yeah. just no easy route. So the last thing that he br- he brought up and I really, really like this one is a, is a principle he calls extreme ownership. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the idea is, is that, um, you pretty much take responsibility for everything. And I really, really like this. In my own recovery, I found that one of the most powerful things I can say to myself is no, that's my fault. And, you know, and because that gives me now all of the opportunity and power to fix it. Right. And he says, you take responsibility for everything and you, you own that problem and then you fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he, he, and he says, let, uh, I really liked this part of it. Let weaker people, let we, weaker people blame other people. Let right. other people blame their situation. Let other, let weaker people, he kept using that word. Let weaker people blame the system. Let weaker people blame God. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, no, he says, you take absolute responsibility and you do what it takes to make it right. Which is such a principle of, of recovery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that we're, we're, not, we're not seeking recovery for anybody else but ourselves. Right. And so that, that's complete ownership. I'm the one that made the mistakes. I'm the one that got us here. I'm the one that uh, this, is all, this is all my recovery. It's not, I'm not doing this for somebody else. It's complete ownership of the idea that this is about me, this is for me, and that, yes, other people will benefit of the fact that I'm recovering, I'm working on relationships and all those other things, but this is for me. And not only am I doing it for me, it's the most important thing I could be doing at this time of my life. There's nothing else more important. And when, when, when somebody comes to that conclusion, uh, recovery is in their future. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they arrive at that spot, uh, they're just sort of bouncing around, uh, not finding peace, not finding recovery at all. I've, I've found myself... Now that I'm I'm in recovery, when my kids will come with me to a problem, sure. I'll listen, I'll listen, I'll listen, and I'll say, okay, what can you do about that? Right. And I love that because it presupposes that they can, in fact, do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, whatever the situation is, okay, what can you do about that? Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody out there, whatever it is you're dealing with, what can you do about that? What can you do about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, it's no different than my, my living situation, like I mentioned in the last episode. You know, I I had that. I could have cursed everyone, but I was like, okay, what do I need to do next? I, I even do that with my kids because they'll come with me. Oh, can you do this on my game? No, it's it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to figure it out because if I help you, you're not going to learn. You're going to keep coming back time and time again. Oh. And, you know, and sometimes I hear that they, you know, I can hear them playing their Nintendo Switch or the, their tablet, and you can hear them getting frustrated. But eventually, they're like, oh, I did it, and they're all excited. Mm-hmm. And I never, you know, they don't come back. And then the, you know, it's come to a point where now they don't ask, and but when they do something, they come and tell me, like, hey, I did this, I didn't ask, but I figured it out. Um, 
it, the same thing works with the recovery. And I've noticed that with my, you know, with my sponsees where it's like, okay, you know, what are you benefiting from this? What, you know, trying to ask those questions to get them to think instead of me giving answers because it just doesn't sink in um, sure. when you're giving the answer. And it goes back to that fishing proverb. <laughs> now, I just want to throw this out there. Um, the conversation and the principles that we had, uh, that we've discussed tonight, doesn't give anybody permission to own stuff that's not theirs. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Right. It doesn't, uh, you don't, you don't, uh, you Humility does not mean that you do not have confidence, mm -hmm. right? And we do not want confidence to turn into arrogance. Yeah, absolute truth. You know, but I just wanted to throw those out there before we wrapped up. No, that's that's good. I mean, it definitely helped me. I own, you know, I own my stuff uh, going through, you know, my divorce and all the other stuff that came along with that. You know, I owned all of that. Mm -hmm. Had I not, you know, and tried to play the blame game and point fingers. I definitely would not be in recovery. I wouldn't be in the position I am with my own kids. I mean, yes, it's still rocky with a couple of them, but uh, things are still moving in a positive direction. Um, and it's always important uh, to to take that ownership. You know, and I've seen other people where they're really struggling with that component. Mm -hmm. You know, because it is easier to say, "Well, that person is doing this, or that person's doing that," and it's really bugging me. Um, but it doesn't matter doesn't matter what they're doing as long as i'm doing what i need to and what i should be doing those things don't matter because my recovery is still stable i'm still going to work i'm still doing what i need to and if they did that that's theirs and i'm just gonna let it go i don't need to hold on to that and let that affect me i think this idea of extreme ownership that he's talking about is really the principle behind the serenity prayer yeah you know in fact i just pulled my little coin out here it says god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things that i can and the wisdom to know the difference yeah and i think i think that really that's what he means that that to have the courage to change the things that you can and to be able to surrender what's not yours yeah right? and that, and a lot of people that's hard i know it was hard for me at first I love the line also that the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a big piece of it is to recognizing what I can, what I can't. That affect. is such a huge piece. <laughs> yeah, that's also a lifelong pursuit. That really is. <laughs> Great discussion. Great yeah. discussion. All right, guys, what can you do about that? Whatever it is you're dealing with, what can you do about that? So, thanks for joining us for another for this episode of the Twelfth Step Podcast. This is Gary saying, "Do the next right thing." And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.